We would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging that the land on which we record is the occupied, traditional, and unceded territory of the Stalo First Nation. And so when I think about the complexity of poverty, to me it is fundamentally a failure of community. And I'm not thinking about community necessarily only on a small scale, but on a global scale on the scale of humanity in that we have not been the community that we can be, the community that gives everybody an opportunity to live into and up to their full potential. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Musu Taylor-Lewis joined Food for the Hungry Canada in 2023 as the president and CEO after spending over 20 years in the nonprofit and public sectors. Musu was born in Edmonton, Alberta, to Sierra Leonean parents, and by her early 20s, she had lived in seven cities on three continents. This exposure to global inequality formed the basis of her interest and passion for international development. Musu pursued that passion through study in economics, community economic development, and theology. Musu lived in BC for over two decades, where she and her husband raised their family. She currently lives in Aurora, Ontario, and holds the distinction of being our first second-time podcast guest. Welcome to the (laughs) podcast again, Musu. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and uh, and as part of the team. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to have you here. Um, you've listened to some of our podcasts and you know how we're starting these. So I would love it if we could just begin right away with having you finish the sentence, poverty is complex because, and if your answer is similar, you know, to what you've talked about in the past, that's okay. Poverty is complex because people are complicated. Mm -hmm. The world is complicated because human beings uh, inhabit the world and make it a complex place to navigate. Mm. And uh, the differences in opportunities that exist for people around the world make for very complicated circumstances that lead some to live in poverty. And so when I think about the complexity of poverty, to me, it is fundamentally a failure of community. Hmm. And um, I'm not thinking about community necessarily only on a small scale, Mm -hmm. but on a global scale, on the scale of humanity, Hmm. in that we have not been the community that we can be, Hmm. the community that gives everybody an opportunity to live into and up to their full potential. Mm-hmm. I would love to dive into that a little bit more. What are some of the reasons this hasn't happened? You know, we are a Christian organization. And so what we would call sin or uh, broken relationships mm-hmm. is really at the core of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, FH Canada talks a lot about four broken relationships. Those broken human relationships are at the core of everything because mm. it starts with the break in the relationship with God, but um, the inability to live with one another in a way that is mutually beneficial. Mm. Um, human beings' tendency to look for 
what benefits themselves the most or their own communities the most, their own families the most, without realizing that when one part of the human family is not living into its full potential. We are actually, none of us are living Mm. into our full potential. Mm -hmm. Um, That no matter how much we earn, how much we have, how much wealth or how much uh, we live within, let's say, material riches, Mm -hmm. that we are actually living um, diminished lives. When we do that alongside others who don't have enough, Mm -hmm. who don't have the basics, who don't have comfort. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what in the Old Testament scriptures particularly is referred to as justice for the poor. There will always be a world in which there are disparities, Mm -hmm. but um, poverty um, in the forms that we see in the world the material poverty that we see in the world where the basic needs are not met. Mm -hmm. um, I do not believe is um, a result of lack, but rather lack of community. Hmm. Thank you. You mentioned there food for the hungry's perspective, the, when I introduced you and said that you're our, our first second time guest you were not with Food for the Hungry at that time. And so I would love to hear your story of transition from, you don't necessarily have to do it from when you were last here but and to now, but um, what's been happening and how, how did you come to be at Food for the Hungry in this role? Uh, well, the last time I was here, I was on staff at the Canadian Food Grains Bank, wonderful sister organization, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. of uh, Food for the Hungry, very similar uh, objectives, seeing a world where there's no hunger, Food for the Hungry, it's right in our name, we define hunger more broadly um, beyond food security, which was mm. the focus of Canadian Food Grains Bank. Um, how did I come to Food for the mm. Hungry? I feel like... I need to go back uh, a little bit in terms of my sure. story. Sure. Um, I have had a passion for community economic development since I was quite young. I grew up internationally, as you said in the introduction. I was born in Edmonton, left when I was less than a year old, and lived in Europe and in uh, my family's home country of Sierra Leone Uh until I returned to Canada for university. Hmm. And I think that exposure to the differences of opportunity, the differences Mm. of material access, Mm -hmm. access to basic needs, really, really informed my life and my perspectives. I also am blessed to have parents who were quite keenly involved in different ways in trying to bring development, economic development to the community that my Mm. parents hailed from in northern Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. And so I just watched that. And, you know, as a child, you don't really pay that much attention. But I have no doubt that I absorb some of Mm -hmm. those uh, values of generosity and community and responsibility for the way in which community operates around Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So um, as it turns out, and this is a a story, and for anybody who's known me from my youth, I'm just going to 
shout out to Miss Thambi. I did really well to in, in economics, uh, national exams, which in the school okay. system I was in, there are national exams at the end of of at the end of high school. Okay. Uh-huh. And I did really well in economics. My father got really excited and said, <laughs> you know, you have to study economics. I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about uh, mm-hmm. studying economics, but I did and um, did okay. Came back to Canada and studied economics, but found that real niche that what I enjoyed was a lot of the electives that I was doing in sociology and mm-hmm. anthropology and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And eventually when I finished the degree and was certain I didn't want to work in a bank, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't see you working in a bank, actually. <laughs> that just doesn't seem like a fit. <laughs> I can't see me working in a bank. <laughs> Certain I wasn't going to do econometrics, but realizing that I really, really enjoyed uh, the subjects, the study that had to do more with social economics. Mm. And so found my way into a program mm. at Simon Fraser University called Community Economic Development at the time. Okay. And I'm going to say and maybe this will be to my parents chagrin for the first time was just really really engaged with my studies Mm. and really enjoyed what I was studying and Mm. since then had just uh you know have always held this place in my heart for community economic development Mm -hmm. and then of course with the international uh, background uh always looking internationally and especially to Sierra Leone and other countries that would have would be called uh, least developed countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I first uh, returned to international development. My, my life took me through mostly Christian service organizations, a little bit of time in government, but really developed experience in nonprofit work, in fundraising, in communications, some programming, mm-hmm. um, but jumped at an opportunity a few years ago to return to international development, working for a a small agency that was a member of the Canadian Food Grains Bank and eventually Mm. working for the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Mm -hmm. And when I realized there was an opportunity perhaps to come to Food for the Hungry, I put my name forward as a possible candidate Mm -hmm. and by God's grace was successful. And I'm so excited to be here. I feel like it brings together all of my passions, my mm. education, my experience, um, and the opportunity to really contribute to an organization that I have admired for a long time. I admire especially Food for the Hungry's program model that starts with the end in mind, that starts with working in communities in a way that there is an expectation of leaving mm. and strengthening that community, strengthening that community, but not staying on and not being the ongoing Mm. way in which that community builds itself up. Right, not creating a dependence. Yes. So this that was community economic development. It was community economic was about really being facilitators Mm. of communities' own desires, of communities' own aspirations for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And um bringing in rather than being experts, really being people that uh, um, work within communities, wherever they are. That's one thing I really loved about my studies in community economic development was mm-hmm. it wasn't focused solely on poverty alleviation. It was mm. focused on thinking about communities in different ways and facilitating whatever communities were looking for mm. to build up. So when we were looking at case studies, we were looking at case studies in Canada, in the U.S., in U.K., oh, of community of 
examples of community development as well as community economic development in international settings. And I think Mm. that perspective is so rich and so broad because then you see the shared human story Mm. Mm -hmm. that leads to poverty, material poverty, social poverty, um, spiritual poverty, um, and the desire for humans in various forms uh, to to be enriched. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story without having to ask specifically for that, because one of the goals of this podcast is that listeners can get to know you and get Mm -hmm. to know who is now in this president and CEO position at Food for the Hungry. You have mentioned the alignment that your experience and who you are has with who we are as an organization. What are some of the uh, places you see going with FH? What what would you say is the vision you have for Food for the Hungry? Mm-hmm. I would first of all say that I'm way too early in my tenure. <laughs> yeah, it seems like <laughs> a little bit of an unfair question, but no, no, let's try it anyway. <laughs> to actually put forward a vision, I am very much working at this point to assess where mm-hmm. food for the hungry is. It's it's one thing to look at an organization, admire it from the outside. I must say what I've seen so far is not in contradiction to what my understanding was of the organization. But what I can talk in broad general terms about maybe a little bit of my philosophy, mm-hmm. a little bit of how I would like to lead. Mm-hmm. Just talking a little bit about my philosophy, I like to think of myself as an unapologetic dreamer. Mm-hmm. With my feet firmly planted on the ground. I am practical, Uh but I always like to think about the possibilities for a better world, for doing Mm. things in a way that produces more beauty, produces more equity, produces Mm -hmm. more health. And so my dream for Uh, FH Canada and any other organization that works in this space would be not to limit ourselves, would be to look at what we have and um, offer it to God and expect, Hmm. expect expansive things. Hmm. Um, I think the last time I was here, I, um, I talked about, you know, the story of the loaves and the fishes. Mm-hmm. And it applies here also in that when we look at what we have in our hands. So as I, I'm doing my assessment, I'm saying, what does FH have mm-hmm. as a community, as an organization? What do we have? And how do we offer that to God? Because when we place those things in God's hand, that's where the miracles happen. Mm. Um, and so that's basically where I am. I'm not, I, I want us to be an organization that grows, mm-hmm. that is um, builds on a firm foundation on what I think is a good foundation mm-hmm. and doesn't get stuck in the ways of doing things in such a way that we do not respond to the changes that we are experiencing in our times. This is a post-pandemic time. Mm -hmm. This is um, a time of increasing global hunger, um, increasing disparity and increasing uh, inequity. We are living in a time of also um, increasing global connection. Mm -hmm. 
yes. through the wonder of the internet, through communications technology. We're living at a time when we've become more and more conscious of the effects of centuries of colonial mm-hmm. um, approaches. And um, I want us to be an organization that is relevant in mm. 2023. And responds to the needs of today mm-hmm. in such a way that we would have impact that is tangible, that is measurable, mm-hmm. that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned in there your leadership and your leadership style. One of the things that I have appreciated and already seen in the short time that you've been here with us. And we talk a lot about collaboration on this this uh, podcast. But mm-hmm. you, I believe if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you described yourself as a collaborative leader who, mm-hmm. once the decision has been made, is very directive. Is did I did I catch that? I hope so. I'm like, oh gosh, did I say that? (laughs) No, I'm definitely, I I want to be collaborative. Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to be fair. I want to make sure I'm listening. Mm. I want to make sure that I'm taking into account all the voices. Um, I think uh, what I mean when I say that once a decision is made, I can be directive is that we are a community of 25 individual, complicated individuals, Mm -hmm. as I said at the beginning. And so... I will listen carefully to all input, mm-hmm. um, and yet it is impossible in in a group of twenty five that somebody's perspective is not what we end up going with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, if we are able to bring each other along, mm-hmm. um, then my role is then to direct the team yeah. uh, in the way that we have. Uh, decided to go I like to make decisions in in community as well so for me the senior leadership team will be an important part of setting that direction mm-hmm. and move pulling us in, in the direction uh, that we've come to together mm-hmm. and I I have witnessed you leading in that way to this point mm-hmm. uh, I am curious to know outside of FH because collaboration is, is a huge value of our organization. What role do you see collaboration having going forward now as the president of FH? So collaboration. Food for the Hungry Canada is part of a global FH family. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that uh, FH Canada can work in such a way as to both contribute and learn from the work of the entire FH family, mm-hmm. um, including, you know, our um, counterparts in the US and UK and Switzerland, uh, the country offices around the world, uh, members of the FH Federation in Korea and Japan, um, that we want to uh, be a valuable member of that mm-hmm. uh, international community. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, so that's a little bit internal. Mm-hmm. to uh, 
who we are, um, but we also are collaborating more and more within the sector in Canada. For mm-hmm. example, we are members of uh, CanWatch, which is the Canadian Association of International Development Agencies that are focused on women and children's health. It mm-hmm. matters. Uh, we are members of Cooperation Canada mm-hmm. and um and others, those are the two that come to mind right now. But when I think about that, um, for all of those um, memberships, we don't want to just be members on papers, but we want to be active. We want to be contributing members and we mm-hmm. want to be learning members um, so that all of those associations, all of those organizations that we're those, uh, organizations that we're part of becomes a mutually beneficial um, arrangement um, so that we're collaborating in ways that we benefit and mm-hmm. that the associations and the whole community mm-hmm. that we're part of also benefits. Mm-hmm. I am curious if we have listeners who are joining us and saying, I just want to get to know Musu better uh, outside of FH. So it's another outside of FH Canada question. Mm-hmm. What do you love to do? What are your hobbies? What uh, what recharges your battery? Oh my goodness! Um, I like to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably halfway through two or three books. Mm-hmm. Um, I must say. Um, I'm going to confess right now that I say I like to read, but I find more and more I'm listening to books. Okay. Um, and I just had a whole converse- conversation with my kids where they thought it was really funny that I, I, I was a bit anxious about this because apparently they were like, well, I'm sure somebody somewhere at one point said, I can't believe I'm not reading scrolls anymore. <laughs> So they thought it was funny because I'm feeling a little bit conflicted because oh. I like the I like the whole process of reading and holding, holding the book. pages in yes. your hands. Yes, and so I'm feeling a little bit off brand mm. doing all the audio books now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I like to read. I like to I like to learn. This is going to be completely feel like it's off brand, but not off brand, offside. But I love to braid hair. Oh. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. A, I'm, an, I'm an African woman, and yes. this is a big part of our life. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I miss it. Okay. I don't get a lot of opportunity anymore. I only have one daughter. I have four children. I only uh-huh. have one daughter. And I've always enjoyed uh, doing her hair, and she's grown. Uh, go off to university most of the mm. year. And I, I realize I miss Mm-hmm. And it's very much a um, bonding thing in our community because you spend okay. – Anywhere from four to ten hours, depending on how oh, elaborate wow. the hairstyle, and you can just chat and visit. And oh, the relationship really building opportunity is huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's something very um, bonding about the physical touch part of it, I would imagine too, because yeah, that's a very yeah. connected activity. Yeah. So that's uh, and the reason I I talk about that is because I have for years said, oh, I'm not very creative. I'm not artistic. Mm. And then one day I realized that is actually quite creative. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, that's that's a piece I enjoy. You know, now that you may have listeners contacting us saying, how can we get in touch with Musu so she can braid our hair? (laughs) No, they won't because I I won't be available. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, that's why I'm saying I miss it. I just don't have yeah. as much time as I used to to do right. that. I, um, I'm very social. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, you've heard me say that 
evenings and weekends are often spent visiting and visiting mm-hmm. with other people. I come from a big family. And uh, so I like spending time with people I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to read. And um, I wish I could say something that sounds more exciting, like paragliding or something <laughs> else like that. People who say well, surfing to these questions or <laughs> bike riding. But yeah, well, just to be clear, paragliding does not sound exciting to some of us. <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> I, know, no. I, always, I always find it funny, this question, because, yeah. I, I feel like I'm probably a little bit of a boring person. Well, being social is not boring. That's 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 always that can be a lot of fun. Um, I would be interested to hear as we come to pretty much closing up our time. I would love to end just on this note to know what gives you hope. Without a doubt, God. Mm. God gives me hope. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't sound cliche. Um, for me, the knowledge of the creator uh, who is at work today mm-hmm. and who is concerned, who is putting all things in order, mm-hmm. the knowledge that God is at work in our lives, in our world, mm. Um And moving things towards a perfect ending, Hmm. towards uh, a world where there's no more hunger, there's no Hmm. more thirst. I think about the image for me of the world that is described in Isaiah 65 gives me hope. A world that says, this is God speaking, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Um, Never again will it be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child, and one who fails to reach a hundred considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of the tree will be the days of my people. And for me, that vision of community of community that is fair, that is just, uh, is a vision that gives me hope. Uh, When I think Mm -hmm. about farmers Mm -hmm. who are planting fields, planting on land that no longer produces uh, because of climate change, when I think about uh, children born to calamity, as it says in verse uh, 23, they will no longer labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. Mm -hmm. When I think about Mm -hmm the privilege of being born uh, where I was born and children who are born in places where there is war or where there is abject poverty. Uh, and as a mother, the idea of having children that are doomed to misfortune um, is mm. unimaginable. It's horrendous. So yes, hope, yeah. my hope comes from this vision mm. of uh mm-hmm. God is at work and moving us towards the vision of community in Isaiah 65, where people's work will produce for them, where their children will be born with all the opportunity and all the provision that they need to thrive and to mm-hmm. and to uh, reach their potential. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a beautiful hope. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Is there anything else that you were hoping we would talk about today? Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I'm ju- just that uh, how grateful I am to have this opportunity to work with the FH community. And by FH community, I mean that international community that I mentioned, the staff, the mm-hmm. supporters, the funders, um, the peer organizations, um, and others in the sector that I will be working with. I'm, I'm so thrilled and excited to have this opportunity to I really believe live out um, my passions and to mm. live out um, and in, in, into some of my strengths that I can bring to this organization. Mm-hmm. Incredibly grateful to be here. Well, thank you for being here today. And I believe confidently that I can speak on behalf of our staff to say we are delighted to have you here and thrilled to be able to work with you and sharing in that hope for what God has in store for FH and for us as we work together and under your leadership. So thank you on both fronts. Welcome. To explore what your next steps could be or find out more about FH Canada, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.